This morning I want to speak on the title, Judah, people of praise. Judah, a people of praise. If you'll turn with me to Genesis, please, chapter 29. Genesis chapter 29, please. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We just want to lift out one verse, but you may keep your Bible open and we'll follow on down maybe a little. We'll see how the Lord will lead us. Genesis 29 and one verse, let your eye run down to verse, excuse me, 35. And she conceived again and bare a son and she said, now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah and left bearing. Flick over to Genesis chapter 49. Genesis chapter 49 and verse 8, please. This is the blessing of Jacob upon his sons. 49 and verse 8. Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hands shall be in the neck of thine enemies. And thy father's children shall bow down. Before thee, Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he crouched as a lion, and as an old lion who hath rise, who shall rise him up. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. Unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Father, this morning. We thank you for the sense of your spirit, your presence in our midst. Lord, without your presence, this is just a social gathering. Without your presence, Lord, we're meeting in vanity. It's wastefulness. But we thank you, Lord, your presence makes the feast. You make it worthwhile. You make it a great blessing. You're the one who causes us to come to this house. To gather together in your name. It's all of you Lord Jesus. So we pray Father this morning that you would now take your word. And open your word to our hearts. And in your great faithfulness Lord I ask you. To quicken our spirits in you. And cause us all to live in your sight. That we may be pleasing to you, Father, in all our ways. We love you and we worship your holy name. For Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen. Judah is a popular Bible name. And Judah is a big character name. Judah is a key name in the Bible in history. And Judah uh, is a son of promise, that is, of God's promise. Judah is a recipient of God's covenant. And Judah is a turning point. His people, his lineage, are a turning point for the kingdom of God to be established upon this earth. Judah, in our reading, he's first mentioned in Genesis chapter 29, verse 35. And she is Leah. 
Leah was the eldest daughter of Laban. And, you know, Jacob, who then becomes Israel, Jacob, he went to Laban to work, to, to labor for Laban for seven years for Rachel, the younger daughter, but, oh, Laban gave him Rachel instead, or Leah instead. Then he worked another seven years and he received Rachel. So he had these two wives and they had two handmaidens. And one of the handmaidens was called Zilpah and Bilhah was the other one. And of course we know there's a struggle goes on in the family if you read the story of it where they're struggling, the ladies are struggling to have children and Leah's having children, Rachel can't have any. And then Rachel and Leah have a struggle between their handmaidens. And how they're looked at, are they looked at with love or disdain? Does Jacob love them more or less? And throughout the whole program, if you want, throughout the whole lifestyle of this family, these couple of ladies especially and their handmaidens, you'll find right out throughout it that there is a, a type. Like the ark is a type of the Lord Jesus. Like the tabernacle was a type of the Lord Jesus. There is a type of the Christian life. There is a type of the Lord Jesus. There's a type of God's glory. There's a type of our walk with Christ. There's a type of our struggles in their life. And 12 sons are born who become uh, their children and their, their descendants become the 12 tribes of Israel. Judah is one of the key tribes. And we'll look at him in a moment. But I want to run down through a few of the tribes or even all of the tribes, a little synopsis of what their names mean. Because in, in scripture, when you read a name, a name can mean, mean uh, it shows a character of the person who's named. And a name can also be pro- prophecy, can be prophetical of what will lie ahead for that person. Or they could be a, a symbolic, prophetical name for the nation and what God would do. For example, we have looked before at Hosea, who represents Yahweh. Almighty God, and we looked at Gomer, his wife, who represented the northern kingdom, the house of Israel, who would sin, and he would marry, and she would leave, and then he would uh, restore her back into the house, remarry, showing God coming in Christ to, to restore and remarry. But notice this, she, Leah, conceived again and bare a son. Judah was Leah's fourth son. Notice that, Judah was Leah's fourth son. To Jacob. Let me just run through her children. Now, these aren't in the order of the twelve, but the first four are. The first four sons of Jacob run like this Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and then Judah. They also have two other sons through Leah, not through her handmaiden, called Issachar and Zebulun. And believe it or not, ladies, there is a daughter there too called Dinah. Called Dinah. And we don't hear much of Dinah except that Dinah was mistreated and Dinah had a man force, a man force himself on her. And of course, Judas, uh, uh, or Jacob's sons, then they go and two of them, they go and wreak revenge upon these people. That's another story we'll look at at another time. But notice this. Judah was the fourth son, and Judah's name is very, very important. Judah means praise. It means to be praised, and it means the praised one. 
So it gives the idea of praise. Because when we look at Leah in Genesis 29 and verse 35, she says, Therefore she called his name Judah. She says, I will praise the Lord. She called his name Judah. So let's run down through these names briefly and quickly. Reuben, the firstborn, means behold a son. Or look a son. Or he hath looked upon me. Okay? Leave, or, Simeon, the next one, means heard, to hear. Heard or to hear. Levi means joined. Levi become the priestly tribe in later years. And then Judah means praise or celebrate. And it means the praised one. Rachel's handmaiden, Bilhah, has a, a son in, uh, to Jacob and he's called Dan. D-A-N. And Dan means judge or a judge. And in fact, when we look at it, uh, the name Adonai for God, Almighty God, Adon, D-O-N-A-I, is God the judge. And the word D-O-N, the O, there's no vowels, and the A in Dan and Don, there's no vowels, so it's just D-N. But for our English reading and, uh, and to flow right, uh, the vowels are put in there. But they mean judge. And then when we go on down to the next one, Bilhah, Rachel's handmaiden, had Naphtali. Naphtali gives the idea of wrestling. Wrestling, mighty wrestling, the wrestling of God, or my wrestling. Okay? That is Naphtali. God means a troop, but it also gives the idea of plentiful distribution, widespread. And the term has been misused now, but the only closest word we can get in the English means good fortune. Fortune's not a great word, but that's the only way we can explain it in our English language. Okay, so that is, that, that is then God. Asher means happy, blessed. Happy and blessed. Issachar means there is recompense. He will bring a reward. And it also means purchased. Recompense, he will bring a reward and purchased or purchased me. Okay? Now, if you go on down again, it's it's a car. Zebulon means exalted or dwell. Exalted or dwell. And then Rachel eventually has two children of her own. Joseph means Jehovah or Yahweh has added. And she has another son, Benjamin, which means son of my right hand or son of the right hand. Stay with me for a moment. Reuben the firstborn means behold a son or he hath looked upon his son. Okay, so stay with me. Isaiah 9 and 6 says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Prophesying of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ around 750 years before he was born. Now notice this, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, the angel says to Joseph, finding out that Joseph is expecting, or Mary is expecting, says to Joseph, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. So when we look at him, the Lord Jesus Christ, when we look at him, what do we see? For example, Whenever we look at Simeon, who was in uh, the, the tabernacle, the temple at the time of the dedication of our Lord Jesus Christ onto his father. When Mary and Joseph bring in 
the child Jesus, Simeon comes to him and says, listen, behold, here's the word, behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. In other words, in this one, he is Messiah. In this one, he is the promised one. He is the one Isaiah talked about in all the prophets. And he sees a baby and he says, Behold, Lord, look at him. The word behold gives the idea, and most of the times, of shock, awe, and surprise. In other words, sometimes it's with unbelief. This is him. In other words, not unbelief he didn't believe, but unbelief he's exa- it has come, it has happened. You know what I mean when I say that? And so he looks at the child and he says, This child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel. You see, it's in Christ where we're saved and out of Christ we're lost. It's only in Christ that we are of the rising to heaven, rising to glory, and out of Christ we have the, the, the damnation of our soul. It's only in Christ, this one who is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, it's only in him that a man can enter the kingdom of God. And out of him we find that we're lost for all eternity. So here he says, behold this child. Then John the Baptist, he says about him, behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Here if you want your sins removed, he is the Lamb of God. He is the Lamb to end all lambs. He is the Lamb, the sacrifice that God has given to us that would end all other sacrifices. And then of course, when we look at the Pharisees, they looked at him with disdain. And they, they said to him, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, or a friend of tax collectors and sinners. The despised of society, Jesus became, as it were, their friend to reach them with the gospel. In other words, he came and he rescued them. And brothers and sisters, let's take note of this. Friend, listen to this. Jesus is still the friend of sinners. Thou art the sinner's friend. So I thy friendship claim. A sinner saved by grace. When thy sweet message came. Jesus is still the friend of sinners. Not that he partakes of the sins. But rather that he took our sin. And bore them on his own body on the tree. Christ is still the friend of sinners. Notice this also in the parable of the ten virgins. The Lord Jesus, speaking of himself in the second coming, says, Behold, there was a cry went up. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Everything is centered upon Christ. Everything is gathered around Christ. Everything, if it's not Christ-centered, then it's worth, not worth talking about. If our life isn't Christ-centered, then our life hasn't got much meaning. If our ministry isn't Christ-centered, then our ministry, we're fooling ourselves in it. Everything must be Christ-centered. He is the center of glory. He is the center of all things. And Christ must be at the center Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Behold, this child is set forth. Behold, the Lamb of God. Behold, he's a friend of sinners. Listen, Pilate brings him to the Jewish mob and he says at his trial, 
Behold your king. And they say, we have no king but Caesar. He brings again and he says, behold the man. And the idea is he's beaten, he's bloodied, he's battered, he's bruised, he's marred more than any man. And whenever he brings him, he's a mess. They've made a mockery out of him. And he stands shame before them. Not his own shame, but our shame. And we're told that he brings Christ and he says, behold the man. The idea, behold, shock means, look at him. Will you look at him? Oh, would you look at him this morning? In other words, Pilate is saying, is there any mercy? Is there any pity? Look at the state of this man we have beaten. Crucify him, they cry. Behold the king, behold the man. Jesus declares of himself, behold, a greater than Solomon is here. He also declares, behold, a greater than Jonah is here. And he says, behold, my hands and my feet, the risen Lord declares that it is I myself. Jude, when he takes the saying of Enoch from the Old Testament, Jude in his little epistle says, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Jude is saying, The Lord is coming. Are you ready? And John sees Revelation 1 and 7. John cries, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. There be shock and awe, wonder and amazement at Christ at his return. And he will sit King of kings and Lord of lords and his glorious rule and reign in the realm of the kingdom of God. That's one of these. John says, when he looked at that heavenly vision, that the angel of God came and stood beside him. There is none worthy in heaven to open the seals, to loose the seals and open the book. And listen to what the angel said. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed. The lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed. How significant was this baby born? How significant was this name given? This would be the line that the scepter would come to, the scepter where he would rule the people. When Christ comes back, he will rule and reign in righteousness. He will rule for a thousand years in his kingdom and then into all the aeons of eternity. How how important was the name of Judah? Notice this, I want to run quickly because we're running late this morning. So Reuben means, behold a son, or he hath looked upon his son. Okay, Behold a son, or he hath looked upon his son. Then the next one is Simeon. Simeon means to hear. 2 Corinthians 6 and 2 says, The Lord says, I have heard thee in an accepted time, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. In other words, the Lord is saying, I heard the pride of Israel in Egypt. I hear when people are in trouble. I hear when they need me to move on their behalf. But I have heard the plight of depravity of man who cannot save himself. And he says, now I have sent him. 
I have sent him the one the prophet spoke about. I have sent him, he the Lamb of God, he is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He says, I've sent him. Notice what he says. I have heard thee in an accepted time, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. When is the right time for a man and a woman to be saved? When they know the Spirit of God is moving in their heart. When they know that God is creating the thoughts, the things in your heart that you start to have that inquisition into the things of God. When you know there's a strange warming and God has been dealing with you and speaking to you, then you accept him. Because you can't accept him without the moving of God in your life. So if you sense that the Lord moves on you and you're unsaved, it's time to give your life to Christ. And brother and sisters, if, you're, if you feel the Lord moving in your heart, speaking into your life, it's time for you to do as well. It's time for you to do as well. So Simeon means hear or heard. Levi, moving quickly. Listen to what Levi, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. Levi means joined. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Do you know why we were praying for the sick this morning? Because the word tells us to, absolutely. Do you know why we were praying for the sick and worshiping in the spirit this morning? Because we believe that when we gather in his name and the spirit is here and the anointing is upon us. You see, we have the Lord within us. The Holy Ghost lives in every believer. And we are joined to the Lord with one spirit. In other words, the one true living God who is in glory. Who is in heaven. Who the angels stand around and worship. In the presence of the Father stands our Lord Jesus Christ. The one true living God. Not only does he transcend through time and space. But he is on the earth today. And so we pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we're praying it. We are joined to the Lord. We are his hands. We are his feet. Body of Christ. We are his called, his elect, his ecclesia, the chosen ones of the holy God of Israel. That's who we are. And we're called to be at one with the Father. Notice. Notice what this means. Romans 5 and 10 says, But when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son. Reconciled to bring together. You can't be reconciled to God unless you come trusting in the death of Christ. Full stop. It says, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So here we have Levi, which becomes a Levitical priest tribe. See, God's word in prophetic order means that they ministered in the temple. From there came the Aaronic priesthood who went in and, and brought the sacrifices to God. So they joined the people to heaven. But now you and I, who are saved, born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, we are kings and priests unto our God. And you and I can enter the Holy of Holies wherever, whenever we want. For he hath consecrated a new and living way for us. You and I can enter that place this morning. You and I can enter the throne of grace. 
Now notice this. Next is Judah. Praise celebration. The ones to be praised. But I'll come back to that. Dan, as I said, means judge. Listen to what it says in Psalm 7 and 8. The Lord shall judge the people. The Lord shall judge the people. People don't like you to tell them there's a judgment to come. But the psalmist says the Lord shall judge the people. Listen, Psalm 9 and 8. He shall judge the world in righteousness. This is Old Testament. He shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment unto the people in uprightness. In other words, his judgment will be true and righteous. Listen to Acts chapter 17, verse 31. The apostle says, Because he, the Father, hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. So righteous judgment will be through Christ. He's centralized in everything. So Naphtali is the next one, which means wrestling. I have to do, I'm cutting some of these down a little shorter because time has gone on. But listen to this. Ephesians 6 and 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. In other words, the spirit wrestles with us in our unsaved state to quicken our hearts that we may receive Christ. The spirit wrestles with the Christian in order that the, 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 the loss of the world has no longer got a dominance and a hold in our life, but rather we walk according to the spirit. There's a wrestling that goes on in the heavenlies when we pray. There's a wrestling goes on in the heavenlies when we go to pray for the sick, when we go to pray for those who are demonically oppressed and, uh, and possessed. There's, a, there's a, 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 a war that goes on in the men's minds and women's minds. There's a war that goes on and it, and it pulls and it holds. And people say, will I believe, will I not? Will, will I trust, will I not? Is there fear or is there faith? And there's a war goes on. But folks, the greatest wrestling happened at Golgotha's Hill. The greatest wrestling happened when Christ shed his blood and cried, It is finished. The greatest wrestling happened in the grave when he arose the third day victorious over sin and death and hell. And he made us kings and priests and he brought us into the family of God. The wrestling has been completed. We are fighting from victory in the name of Jesus. Notice this. God is next. It means a troop distributing our good fortune. When Christ ascended into heaven, it says he ascended into heaven and gave gifts unto men. Listen to this. Genesis 31 verse 14. Leah and Rachel, they're looking around their father's place, Laban. And listen to what they say. Is there yet any inheritance for us in our father's house? Do you know something? There's so many Christians and they live like that. There's so many Christians and they believe that. And they ask themselves that and they come into defeat. Is there any, any inheritance for us in our Father's house? Is there any inheritance in heaven for us? Is this my life? Is this all it is? I can't do this and I can't do that. And I can't do the other thing. And I'm too worried and I'm too afraid and I'm too incapable and I'm unable. Listen friends, there's a great inheritance in the Father's house for you. And the great inheritance is for you and I to go and believe him for it. Listen, Ephesians 1 and 18. 
that your eye, the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of the calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You see, saints, he, he daily loadeth us with benefits, and the inheritance we have is restored, it's led up in glory, and yet it is flowing out, as it were, from heaven to his people right this very moment. I must move quickly. After God comes Asher, there's a bit of a cause and effect here. God and Asher go very closely together. Asher means happy and blessed. Matthew 13 and 16. But he blessed, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. Now Gary Anderson, you didn't know I had that in there, did you? You sang that over and over again tonight, today. Blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. Whom do men say that I am the son of man? I am. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, said Peter. Blessed art thou, Simon, blower Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. In other words, when spiritual enlightenment comes from heaven, when spiritual enlightenment allows you to see him, you will find that at that spiritual enlightenment, revelation comes in the things of the spiritual world. So many Christians have no idea of a spiritual world. Have to move on. Issachar is next. Issachar means there is recompense. He will bring me a reward. And it gives the idea to purchase. To purchase. There is recompense. He will bring me a reward or to purchase. Colossians 3 and 24. Knowing that the Lord. Knowing that of the Lord. Ye shall receive of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Here speaking of a reward and service. Not for salvation. Revelation 22 and 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according to his work. Here the Lord says, when I return, I've got a reward for those who are serving. I've got a reward for those who are serving. In fact, in Acts 20 and verse 28, it says, Feed the church of God which he hath purchased. It means purchase also, which he has purchased with his own blood. And then Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 14, we are told that we are a purchased possession. Zebulun means exalted and it means to dwell. Philippians 2 9, wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name. But listen, Ephesians 3 and 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Revelation 21 and 3, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. So here it speaks of God exalted, then coming to dwell. God exalted, then coming to dwell. Joseph is next, which means odd. Notice Genesis 30 and verse 23. This is important in this part. God hath taken away my reproach, says Rachel, who can't have children. Verse 24, she called his name Joseph and said, the Lord shall add to me another son. Now here is what you need to take notice. God has taken away my reproach. The word is he has gathered up. He gathered up all my reproach. He has lifted it from me. He has taken it away. And then she says, he will add to me another son. She calls her son Joseph. The prayer of Rachel, the declaration of Rachel, the praise of Rachel, and the worship of Rachel, it is faith pressing on and pressing in and believing for more that God has yet given. In other words, you and I are to have faith that what God has done in the small things What God has done in the little things, God is going to do 
in bigger things. God is going to move in a greater way. God is going to bless you in a better way. God is going to take you on a path. But at the end of it, when you come out, there's reward at the end. We're not talking about we're wanting money. We're not talking about we're wanting possessions. I want more of him. I want him. I want his company. I want his anointing. I have not seen or ear heard, neither entered in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for him. Benjamin is the last one. Son of my right hand. Listen to Hebrews 10 and 12. There's many of these I could have brought. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Notice this. Reuben, the first one. Behold a son. He hath looked upon a son. Benjamin, at the end, the youngest son. Son of my right hand. Son to the son. Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the ending. The first and the last. He which was and is and is to come. The Almighty. So let me just, I know time has flown. Give me a few minutes on Judah. We'll round it up. Judah means praise or celebrate or the praise one. See the word praise in the Hebrew? You know what it means? It gives the idea of to throw something, to throw a stone, to shoot an arrow. Isn't that strange? It means to confess as well. But it gives the idea of someone who throws a stone and as you release the stone, the hand is open and in the air. It gives the idea to fire an arrow and as you open the hand, the arrow is released. In other words, the idea here is is that Leah, on her fourth son, stands before God, praises him, and worships him, and throws her hands in the air. She confesses with her mouth that he alone is God. She praises him. She worships him. She adores him. She magnifies him. She exalts him. She loves him. Everything that she has is for him. And she throws her hands in the air and confesses with her mouth. And she throws all to heaven for the glory of his name. That's the idea of it. I will call him Judah. I'll praise the Lord. Can I ask you, brother, when's the last time you got that excited for Christ? When you think of the great salvation he has wrought. When you think of the price he has paid. I will call his name Judah. I will praise him another. You know, John Livingstone said, an hour of praises is worth a day of fasting and mourning. You come in with a heavy heart and you start praising you'll soon find that an hour of it is worth more than you sitting going, oh Lord, look at me. Woe is me. I am undone. Start praising the Lord. Thomas Watson says, in prayer we act like men, but in praise we act like angels. The angels are praising the Lord and they haven't even been redeemed. They don't know what redemption's like. Thomas Manton says, self-love may lead us to prayers, but love to God excites us to praises. 
In other words, Lord, I need, I want. Will you do? Thank you, Lord. Oh, but will you do this? You haven't done that right. And, and, and self-love leads us to many prayers. But love for him excites us to praises. I'm closing with this. Praise and worship brings a change of mind. Brings a change of heart, change of circumstance. Brings a change of atmosphere. It ushers us into the presence of God. And Praise and worship brings a corporate anointing in our meetings and assembly together. It also brings anointing upon the individual. It produces joy, it increases faith, but most of all it pleases the Father and exalts the Lord Jesus Christ. When you go to Revelation chapter 7, we read of the tribes of Israel again. They're slightly different there. That's another story for another day. But here's something I noticed, and I wrote something down, and I'm going to finish by reading it. In Revelation 7, instead of Reuben being the first one mentioned as it does in the book of Genesis, Judah is the first tribe mentioned. See, praise brings down the walls of Jericho. Praise uh, defeated the armies of Jehoshaphat's enemies. And it's the first name mentioned in Revelation 7. And then it goes Reuben, but it changes slightly. It goes like this, Judah, Reuben, God, Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh, who is Joseph's son. Dan isn't in it. Manasseh, uh, Joseph's son, really means to forget. And Ephraim's in there, but it's under the name of Joseph. Then we have Levi, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. If you put them all together, putting Manasseh in, which means to forget, and all the names that I've went, this is what I put them together. Here's a little paragraph or two. I'll read and we'll finish with this. This is what it would read. Starting with Judah. I will praise the Lord for Reuben. He has looked upon me and I beheld his son, then God. And he granted me good fortune and an inheritance. I sure. Happy and blessed am I, Naphtali. His wrestling, my wrestling, God has made me to forget Manasseh. Simeon, God hears me and has heard always. Levi, God is joined to me and I am reconciled to him. Issachar, he has purchased me and he is my reward. Zebulun, I am his dwelling place. I will exalt him in the earth. Joseph, God will add to me. Benjamin, God will add to me the son of his right hand. There's the whole gospel in the names. Judah is mentioned right throughout scripture. The southern kingdom, the breaking up of, the, of, of Israel in the north and southern kingdom, house of Judah is mentioned. Judea, the province, comes after him. The kingship line is Shiloh until Shiloh or Jesus comes would be from the line of Judah. Judah means praise, the one to be praised, 
and celebrate. May God bless you as time is flowing. It's a wee bit rushed there, but the Lord took things at the start a different way in the meeting. And I don't know about you, but I am sweltered. Blessed be the name of God. Let's receive the tithe.